you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot you know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. And now, Move the Sticks. Ten takeaways from week two with Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Rhett Lewis. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by Zaxby's Week 2 of the National Football League. A lot of good action on the field, but, man, a lot of injuries have piled up this week. Buck, uh, Red, it's great to have you guys uh, with me here on the Move the Sticks Takeaway Show. And, Buck, uh, just biggest takeaway outside of the massive amount of injuries we saw this week. DJ, I think that has to be the biggest takeaway, just the health of the players. So many injuries, so many big-time guys going out, and some of these are season-ending injuries. It's going to force coaches and teams to really adjust on the fly. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I kind of sent my sources out to kind of get uh, put their ear to the ground uh, after this uh, week two Sunday. Basically, what I came up with here is uh, there's a lot of talk, a lot of mention of move the sticks on that uh, what's it called the Around the League show that they do. Um, and what? I, you know, yeah, yeah, a lot of move the sticks talk on this last. Wow. Uh, that's just that is from a pseudo friend of mine. Um, as you know, I'm not a listener. 
So I just rely on my sources to relay that information. So I just wanted to let you know that before we dig in here to this uh, 10 takeaway pod. Ah, that's fine. I saw that cute video of Greg water skiing uh, the other day on uh, social media. It was fun. Very cute. Uh, uh, Buck, let's get to the takeaways here. Let's start off. We've got 10 big ones. Why don't you give us the first one as it relates to the Cowboys? Cowboys win ugly. Good snap. Good hold. 46 yards. Yes, sir. Kiss that pig. The final score, Dallas 40, Atlanta 39. You know, when you look at the Cowboys game, it, it is one of the more amazing games that I've ever watched uh, in my lifetime. I've never seen a team that have as many miscues as the Cowboys had overcome it. Four first quarter fumbles, three of those they were lost, two botched fake punt attempts, going for a two-point conversion well before you needed to, <laughs> and they still somehow found a way to win because they got an onside kick at the end. Dak Prescott was amazing. 450 yards passing, one touchdown pass, three rushing touchdowns. Zeke Elliott had over 120 total yards on 28 touches. They somehow found a way to overcome it. But I'm going to tell you, if I'm a Cowboys player, if I'm a coach, when we look at the tape, we're going to walk around really trying to figure out how good can we be because I really don't know what they can build on. It was that scattershot of a performance. Yeah, you know, I look, I, I, I look at this thing, I, and I want to flash back to my takeaway from last week when I said that the Falcons were the best onside kick team in football. <laughs> they apparently have the worst hands team in football. I just let that ball sit around there. Look, I know that you were, you know, I know you don't want to, you know, go up there and, and touch it before ten yards so that it becomes a live ball. But man, you got to, you got to attack it at some point. You can't just sit there and let the Cowboys steal this victory, which is. Uh, what they did. And Bucky, you said you've never seen it. Well, that's, it's like, literally you have it. This is like the first time since 1933 that a team that has scored 39 or more points and been on the benefit of uh, four plus fumbles or turnovers that previously they were 440 and zero. They had won 440 straight times <laughs> scoring 39 plus points and getting that many turnovers uh, and without a turnover. Uh, on their own side, and this, the Falcons now are the first team to lose in that kind of situation. Look, it was it was bad, DJ. No, it was bad, but I'll tell you what, Dak Prescott was impressive in that second half. Went back and watched it. It was a lot of three-by-one formation. It was a lot of attacking uh, safeties and linebackers in coverage. I thought it was a nice job of using that scheme to find matchups. They were able to get wide receivers uh, you saw it with Amari Cooper on one deep uh, post where he got Keanu O'Neal. You saw them work Deion Jones in the middle of the field uh, with with the CD Lamb on a couple occasions. They just found ways to get matchups in their favor. And I think you can be encouraged if you're a Cowboy fan because when you look around this division, uh, Buck, kind of the last thought on this takeaway from you, but to me, when you look at this division, talent-wise, I don't think it's close. I, I know that the records aren't great in this division, but to me, the Dallas Cowboys, their, their roster stacks up. It's, it's a much better roster than everybody else in that division right now. It is a much better roster. I'm going to say this, DJ, because you pointed out Dak Prescott. The one thing that the Cowboys might have uncovered, they played up-tempo after they got down, and Dak Prescott found his rhythm playing fast. You may see the Cowboys kind of live in that fast-paced, no-huddle offense because it really helped their offense and their offensive line. Uh, and, right, and the last thing I'll say, Rhett, go yeah, ahead. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you to take away two here. I will say that Foyasade Oluokan is the next Peanut Tillman with forcing fumbles. He had some <laughs> textbook punchouts as a linebacker for the Falcons. All right, I'll get you to take away number two here. I'm going to stick right in the NFC East, where I had the question, like, now what for the Philadelphia Eagles? 
Wentz off play action looking for the end zone and it's intercepted. Darius Williams with a diving pick in front of J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Well, this is what, golf versus Wentz? You guys want to go back and do another show? Uh, so this is number one and number two back in 2016, right? And uh, look, uh, this time it belonged to Jared Goff, who completed 13 straight passes to open this game, the longest such streak of his uh, career thus far. Meanwhile, Carson Wentz and the Eagles, who built a big lead in week one, only to see the Washington football team score 27 on answer to come back and beat them, this time build a huge deficit and found themselves down 21 uh, 20 to no, or rather, yeah, 21 to three early in this game at the end of the first quarter. Miles Sanders fumbled on the third play, but to me, this game comes down to Carson Wentz, and it really comes down to one throw for Carson Wentz, and it came at the beginning of the third quarter after the Eagles had fought their way back. It was a 21-16 game. This was a chance to go ahead with a go-ahead touchdown. He has J.J. Ortega-Whiteside wide open has two yards of separation down in the middle of the end zone. He's got no pressure, clear lane to throw the ball, and just whiffs it. I mean, and just throws it behind, late, didn't have enough zip on it, and it was picked off. And from that point on, you're like, man, that does not sound like the Carson Wentz, who, like, the last time these two teams met in a regular season game that really meant something back, uh, what was it, in 17 or 18, his M MVP candidacy back in that regular season before they went on to win the Super Bowl, that's a throw he makes. It's a throw he didn't make in this game, and now it leads to the question, like, what's what's going on with Carson Wentz and the Eagles here, Bob? Yeah, you know, it's funny, Ray, you bring that up about Carson Wentz because there are open conversations about the regression. I think the one thing that you want to see from the Eagles going forward is how can they alleviate some of the pressure on Carson Wentz? Carson Wentz certainly hears the outside noise. He knows that he's expected to be the franchise quarterback, but sometimes that can work against him. He can work against himself by putting too much pressure on him. So can they find a way to generate a running game? Can they find a way to get him some easy throws where he can rebuild and repair his shaken confidence? That is the task that's in front of Doug Peterson and that offensive staff. They have to figure out a way to make their quarterback better. That is on the coaches more so than Carson Wentz. Yeah, it's interesting, Buck, because I, I kind of come at it from a different point. And, and after watching it today, I, I think Carson Wentz has got to go back to the body shop and get realigned footwork-wise. It, it was awful when you, when you watch this tape. And you've seen it with quarterbacks. A lot of times you see guys that get too narrow with their feet, right? And then what that leads you to overstride. He is so wide with his base. I've never seen him like this before. He is, he is a mess with his feet. He is so wide, he cannot clear his hip. He cannot generate the, the, the kind of throws he normally does. His accuracy suffers. He threw an out route. There was an out route, I think it was to Zach Ertz, that he can make in his sleep. I mean, it's an easy throw. Carson has a huge arm. But his base is so wide, the ball takes off on him. It sails not even close. Uh, so to me, when you watch these two quarterbacks in this game, and I've seen Carson Wentz play at an MVP level. We saw Carson Wentz last year take a team of, of nobodies at the skill position and elevate their level of play, yeah. get them into the postseason. So I've seen him do it. But when you watch the two quarterbacks in this league, Jared Goff, the rhythm, the timing, the quiet feet, but always on balance. They moved the launch point, did some nice things schematically, but just mechanically, you saw two quarterbacks, uh, Buck, I'll go back to you on that one, but two quarterbacks in a totally different space when it comes to their mechanics. Yeah, it is funny, DJ, like that, that Carson hasn't been able to settle in and get comfortable. Some of that obviously may be due to the injuries, and you never know how that impacts 
your mind and what you're thinking about, particularly if you're playing behind a shaky offensive line. You just don't know how that clouded him. But I do believe Doug Peterson and those guys have to see that part of it. He does have to go to the body shop and get that repaired. But what can we do to take some of the pressure off of him? Can we create and manufacture a running game? Can we do some other things so he doesn't feel like he has to make plays 35 to 40 times a game when we're having to pass? Let's try and find a way to lighten his load so he can get back to being a quarterback that um, was a franchise quarterback and a guy that played at the MVP level. Yep, that's that's a challenge there for Coach Peterson and the Philadelphia Eagles. 0-2, not, not a good time to be in Philadelphia and turn on the radio, I can promise you that. Uh, all right, let's get to my first takeaway here. Got a chance to go to that Chargers-Chiefs game, and uh, I, we'll get to rookie quarterback here in a second. But my first takeaway was that uh, this is the blueprint. Gus Bradley, he does have the blueprint to at least slow down this Kansas City offense. With a long of 43, and Bosa has his first ever sack of Mahomes. And you'll see Bosa on Schwartz, two great football players, but Bosa having a day right now. Well, I've seen this uh, Chargers defense the last couple years, one of the few teams that's been able to slow down Patrick Mahomes. Last year in both those games, the Chargers lost, but turnovers were the issue. They were able to hold Mahomes under 200 passing yards in each of those contests. And this game, you look up and we're, you know, we're in the middle of the fourth quarter and the Chiefs, I believe, had nine points at that point in time before they went on to, uh, to score and get a two-point conversion, which ended up pushing this thing uh, to a tie game and sending it on into overtime. We'll get to, uh, to Justin Herbert and his, uh, his performance in just a minute. But I thought their ability to rush four, uh, their ability to, for the most part, keep the ball from sailing over their heads, had the one big play to Tyree Kill. Um, that was the one time they allowed the deep shot. But other than that, keep it in front of you, rally, tackle, um, get home with four. You better have linebackers that can run. Kenneth Murray being able to run with Tyree Kill on one play, get a PBU. Uh, I think you can tell Tom Telesco's tried to build this defense to, uh, to be able to at least slow down uh, this juggernaut offense in Kansas City. You know what? The, the one thing I'll say on that uh, on, on the defense is, and we talked about it a little bit uh, on the phone last night when we were talking about this. I was like, if you'd have told the Chargers that you were only going to give up one explosive play for a touchdown in this game, you'd be like, heck yeah, that's a win. You know, I mean, like this is a team that's used to two, three, four of those a game, and as you mentioned, they only gave up the one. Um, I'll say this on the rookie quarterback: we're searching for moments for quarterbacks like this and, and in this league in general for players we're searching for moments that will define who they are and who they will be moving forward the throw to Keenan Allen was a moment yeah. in that game for Justin Herbert in his debut in the NFL that is a big time big boy throw I know you'll dig into that um, my last thing here for the Chiefs is you know the butt kicker three straight wow. 50 plus yarders hit the 53 yarder then no they get doubters. the full start back him up to 58 no problem timeout nullifies it got to do it again it's the who does that who can hit three straight 50 yarders with the game on the line that was a big that was big time but uh there's a lot to dig into on this game especially with that rookie QB yeah a lot to dig into and I'm really intrigued by the rookie quarterback but I'm gonna go back to Patrick Mahomes and I think this is what makes Pat Mahomes so tough to defend critical situation third and 20 Pat Mahomes drops back the Chargers in soft zone coverage he scoots down the middle and gets 21 yards on a third and 20. And so when we talk about the athletic quarterback and kind of like the emergence of the athletic quarterback, it's not necessarily the guys that are toting it all the time, but the guys who have the potential to get out of trouble. Pat Mahomes is using his athleticism and his running skills to get out of trouble and to really have answers when some of the other questions pop up based on how the teams are covering them. 
he did it he did it last year in Mexico City in their game against the Chargers. In this game, third and seven, he had a 15-yard run. Third and five had a 10-yard run. You mentioned third and 20 for 21 yards. Third and three had a four-yard run. Those are all conversions using his legs, and that that's what makes that group so difficult to defend. And I, I'm always impressed with Mahomes that on those third downs, when everything can kind of speed up for some guys, it just all slows down for him. And he's willing to say, okay, there's the free yards. I'm going to go ahead and take them, and let's just extend the drive. Now, when it comes to Herbert, it was weird calling this game uh, with money. We're, we're up there in the booth, and the, all of a sudden they break the huddle, and we're going, wait a second, Herbert's in there. And my first thought was, okay, they've got Herbert and Tyrod out there. They're going to run a trick play to start the game. Uh, and then I look out there, I'm like, wait a second, Tyrod's not out there. This is Herbert. So we did not know about the chest injury at that time or, or uh, you know, the, the breathing issues that Tyrod might have been having. So we were flying blind, and we were like, okay, but here we go. And it, it was off and running it. We come to find out after the game, that's basically – when Herbert found out he was going to start, it was right before right. the game started. And, and then he's out there and he's going and uh, takes the team right down the field on that first drive. I thought poise uh, for me, Buck, when you, when you looked at Herbert, he opened up the wrong way sometimes on some play action fakes. There's one play where he sends a guy in motion, then opens his wristband to look at the play call to make sure he knows what he's doing, then shuts his wristband. I mean, all this stuff flying around. But then once the ball was snapped, Outside of one goofy throw where he tried to make a hero throw on the move, I thought he handled himself very well in that environment. Hey, Buck, one you know, second DJ's. before uh, you, you dig mm-hmm. in there, because uh, DJ mentioned poise from the rookie quarterback. I got to say um, that, you know, you, DJ, and, and Money, you want to talk about poise to be surprised at a new starting quarterback uh, <laughs> as it was happening. In fact, uh, Ryan uh, Bartlett, I think we, I think we have – I think we have that for for the folks. I mean, you described it, but let's actually hear it. Can you play that call for us? And how about this? Justin Herbert is out to take the first snap in a pistol formation, fakes the handoff. Actually, no, he does, in fact, hand it off to Austin Eckler, who pushes past the 25 all the way up near the 30. That's going to be a gain of nine. He's staying out there. Justin Herbert starting this game. No inclination that that was going to be the case at all. We talked to Tom Telesco. We talked to Anthony Lynn. And what a secret as Justin Herbert makes his NFL debut with a handoff to Austin Eckler that goes for nine. Now under center, the number six overall pick. We had no idea, Rhett. We had no idea uh, what was going on. It was totally fly by the seat of your pants at that point in time, man. You could hear it right there. Uh, that's good. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a remarkable recovery for you and money to be able to kind of make that right. Um, I'll say this about Justin Herbert. Uh, DJ, I felt like what I saw was an extension of the way that Justin Herbert ended his college career at Oregon uh, in terms of the poise, the leadership, the moxie, the playmaking ability, utilizing his legs. We saw that in the Pac-12 championship game. We saw that in the Rose Bowl. The guy that I saw in the stadium for the Chargers was that same guy. I think that's something you should be very, very encouraged by if you're the Chargers staff. Yeah, I think you you got to be happy for Tom Telesco. We'll see what happens if they go back to Tyrod Taylor for a few weeks or not. But I know uh, it's not too big for Justin Herbert. That's the hurdle he needed to clear in order to get out on the football field. Uh, all right, Buck, what's your next takeaway? The Titans are more than Derrick Henry. Tannehill looking to throw. Plenty of time. Wide open. Johnu Smith into Jacksonville territory. Winger trying to chase him down. And he does. But a big play for Tennessee. So here's the thing. You talk about the NFL Russian leader, Derrick Henry. We talked about the Tennessee Titans and their identity, and it was all about Derrick Henry. The last four times that he played against the Jaguars, he was averaging 125 yards. So the Jaguars came in to take him away. But, man, lo and behold, Ryan Tannehill carved them up. 
four touchdown passes, did a great job of throwing off play action, utilized all of his playmakers that was available. And the trick was they didn't have A.J. Brown. So Jonu Smith getting 84 yards. Corey Davis having 36 yards and a touchdown on a play action pass. Ryan Tannehill settling in as a legitimate QB1 for the Tennessee Titans has given this offense balance. They are a team that is very, very difficult to defend because they play smash mouth, but their quarterback is so efficient throwing off play action. Yeah, no question. Uh, and look, I, you know, you mentioned A.J. Brown is down. That was your best receiver last year. And I feel like Jonu Smith has been smoldering as a potential breakout player, as a real playmaker for this offense in this season so far. I think we've certainly seen that week two. He gets the two touchdowns here. He was the entire offense on that first touchdown drive, ending up in the end zone. I think he's become a real weapon. So now you're also starting to see Corey Davis make some of that improvement, see why the Titans made him the first receiver taken uh, back there in 2016, a number five overall pick. So um, I think you're starting to see a lot of those weapons, to your point there, Bucky, start to come together to where they don't just have to rely on 25, 30 carries from Derrick Henry. But I'm really impressed with the way Jonu Smith has come to play. DJ, I'd like to see a little bit better from that Titans defense, not giving up 30-plus to the Jaguars. But, guys, quickly, this AFC South is becoming a division to be reckoned with. This is going to be some fun fun from top to bottom in a division uh, that we thought maybe, you know, the Texans might run away with this thing once again, that the Colts might challenge. The Jaguars aren't yet dead in this thing either. I mean, they're one and one coming into this uh, week three here, and, and they've played pretty well in these first two weeks. I don't know if there's a great team in this division, but it, it, fun is the word. It's fun to watch yeah. these teams, the way they play in that division. It's going to be interesting to see how that race comes down. My last thought, we'll kind of wrap this one, uh, this takeaway on this thought right here. If I'm Sam Darnold's friend, if I'm Sam Darnold's best friend, I am sending him highlight clips of Ryan Tannehill each and every week and letting him know it's not over, better days are ahead. Can't be just, done. I'll, I'll leave that one right there. All right, we're keeping the takeaways rolling here with takeaway number five. Guys, I've got this one. The Packers offense packs a punch. Single receiver left. Lazard give is to Jones. Up the middle. Breaking free. He's off to the races. Yes, it's going to be secretary at the Belmont. No one will catch him to the end zone. Touchdown, Aaron Jones. 75 yards. Guys, that run right there by Aaron Jones, the longest by a Packer since Amon Green back in 2004. The Packers, guys, have now scored 40 points in each of these first two weeks. To say that they are clicking now in year two with Matt LaFleur's offense is an understatement. Just a couple of notes of context here on the offensive output thus far uh, by the Packers. They're just the eighth team in the Super Bowl era to score 40-plus points in each of their first two games of the season. The last two teams to do that? by the way, went to the Super Bowl. 2013 Broncos, 09 Saints. This is also the third time in the Super Bowl era that the Packers have scored 40 points in back-to-back games. Each of the previous two seasons, Aaron Rodgers went on to win the NFL MVP, which he is certainly in the running for two games in thus far. They are on fire right now, and Aaron, uh, DJ, has said that The difference with the offense this year are the backs, and it's hard to deny after the performance that Aaron Jones put up, 236 scrimmage yards. Jamal Williams even provides some real value for that team with some versatility, but the running backs on this team uh, are making this offense go. By the way, Devontae Adams, hamstring injury. They didn't even really need him in this game. They were that good uh, in the run game and using the running backs in the pass game as well. 
You know, you know what, what I love about what the Packers are doing, there was so much conversation about the Packers didn't get Aaron Rodgers more weapons. And I think what they knew is they really liked the group that they had. You talk about the running backs, Aaron Jones having a ridiculous game as an all-purpose threat out of the backfield. And then the young receivers spreading the wealth. The thing, about we're ta- the thing that we're talking about with Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers having a big game, but he didn't even put up big numbers. The right. balance of this offense, I believe, is really what Matt LaFleur, what his long-term vision was, take some of the pressure off Aaron Rodgers by incorporating other people and not having to have Aaron throw for 400 yards every game. It's working, and the Packers are very, very dangerous on offense. One thing I would just say, let me just offer some free advice. When I have, when I have some free time, um, I like to go shoot some hoops. Uh, got a little hoop to get out there and do a little of that. I get a jog in. You've got uh, go get on the bike. I'm just Jordan Love. I'm here for you, bud. Whatever you need, uh, hobby-wise, anything you want to do, I can help you. You know, I, you got a little downtime here for probably the next couple of years. So just let me know if I can help you with any of that. And it, it, it's not just Jordan Love, by the way. AJ Dillon, their second-round pick, has played like 12 snaps the first two games. Joseph Josiah Degara has played 24 snaps, and he didn't play in week two. So, like, they're getting zero contributions from their first three draft picks this year, and they're still running don't away with this thing in the NFC North right now. I eh, don't need them. Don't need them. Not a big deal. That's great. Um, all right, let's get to my uh, my next takeaway here, and that was uh, the Sunday night game, which was a lot of fun. Russell and Cam living up to the hype. Cam takes the snap. He'll keep it. Running left side. Dives, and he's tripped up shy of the goal line. It's over. The Seahawks will hang on and win. Newton kept it on a quarterback sweep to the left. He went airborne, went down shy of the goal line, and the Seattle Seahawks survived. Buck, a couple things for me in this one. Number one is we talk about the Patriots and their offense under Tom Brady morphing from week to week. And we wondered, okay, well, what what would this offense look like with Cam Newton? Going to be very one-dimensional. It's going to be one style. No, we we saw them morph and show their ability to throw the football. We We saw them attacking coverage. Which, by the way, I'm giving you grief on this for your Jamal Adams Defensive Player of the Year uh, uh, tweet. Because when I went back and yeah. watched that tape, they went at him mercilessly in, in the passing game, Buck. I mean, they, he was impactful when he's in the last scrimmage and he's playing forward. He got torched by Edelman in the passing game. But I thought, I thought the Patriots showed you some versatility. Not only is Cam going to be able to run, they showed you what that passing game was all about. So I'll allow you to defend yourself on the Jamal Adams tweet, and then I will allow you to talk about them being versatile offensively. Okay, because style makes fights. And so because you come from the school of Baltimore where you're used to seeing Ed Reed, I'm coming from a Pittsburgh place where Troy Polamalu couldn't cover anybody. Jamal Adams is Pete Carroll's. Jamal Adams is Pete Carroll's version of Troy Polamalu. When you look at the Seahawks, they want to put him in the box, and they're basically using him as their designated rusher. And so what is going to happen when we tally it up at the end of the year? He's going to have about seven or eight sacks. He's going to have some splash plays. And because this defense is going to play at a higher level, that's why he gets And I think the bigger thing, like flipping it over, I'm really impressed with what the Seahawks are doing with the wide receivers. I have never seen the Seahawks go in attack mode, particularly against Stephon Gilmore. DK Metcalf had his way with Stephon Gilmore. And I saw your tweet where you talked about him being a first-round pick. Look, it was hard to make him a first-round pick when he ran two routes. But what they've done with him in Seattle, he runs those routes better than anybody. He is a specimen. (laughs) He is someone to be feared as a vertical playmaker. 
Well, guys, you know, I think uh, on the aftermath uh, here, which uh, airs at 3 o'clock Eastern time on NFL Network, we're going to get into the interesting symmetry in this game between these two teams with the script flipped a little bit and the Seahawks' defense needing a big stop on the one-yard line there as the Patriots were going in for what would have been a a game-winning touchdown. And, you know, Mike Silver uh, was at that game, talked to Bobby Wagner. Bobby said, I told the team in the huddle before that play where the ball was going, and we're all going that way. Well, there was one guy who particularly <laughs> listened to that message, and that was the third-year safety. His defensive snaps doubled from week one to week two, so pressed into duty, and he comes firing off the edge. Submarines Jakob Johnson, the fullback, forces the early gets the early penetration, forces Cam Newton to slow down, and allows LJ Collier to come in there and clean things up and win this game for the Seahawks. You want to talk about moments? Uh, that was a huge play by Delano Hill and then also by LJ Collier to clean that thing up and that Seahawks defense to stand tall. Well, you mentioned that and you revoke the uh, revoke the memories, I should say, of that that interception by Malcolm Butler, uh, interception that gave Tom Brady another Super Bowl win, which Buck leads me beautifully to our next transition. Tom Brady's new team. What was your takeaway (laughs) from watching the Bucs? Leonard Fournette showed up. Fournette slashes away to the 40, to the 35, to the 30, to the 30, 25, to the 20. Fournette to the 10, 5, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Run the ball, Leonard Fournette. Wow, what a blast. Up the gut, found daylight, and outran everybody. DJ, so here's the thing about Fournette and the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers played uh, a rotation at running back. Ronald Jones, uh, LaShawn McCoy, those guys did the bulk of the work. It seemed like Leonard Fournette was kind of coming in every third series. But when it got down to got to win it time, got to have it time, the last two scoring drives, Leonard Fournette was not only in there, but he gave them big runs. On the scoring drive that led to a field goal, he had a 25-yard run where he bursted out. And then the last drive to really ice the game, the 46-yard touchdown run, 12 carries, 100 yards, what we're going to see going forward as they get down the stretch, Leonard Fournette is going to be a bigger part of the offense. Yeah. He gives them the big physical back. It enables them to play big boy football, which is critical when you're playing against some of these big teams. Yeah, and Rhett, real quick, just going back and watching that tape, Tom Brady, I know the splits between the first half and the second half, there were some big drops. He missed a couple throws he'd like to have back. But he had, gosh, two for sure touchdowns that were dropped. Then another one down the sideline uh, that if Grayson catches it and can stay in balance, he probably scores as well. So uh, they had some drop issues there. But I thought other than that, Tom Brady from week one to week two, you got to be excited about that improvement. Yeah, and, uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, I thought they played pretty well, especially in the first half uh, as they forced some turnovers. And I think I've talked about it on this podcast here before, but uh, – Jason Light, GM of the Bucks, has not been afraid to throw draft resources at the defensive backfield. I mean, he has drafted defensive backs, won seven of them since 2018 in the first four rounds of the draft. And you know what? You can look at that two different ways. Well, you know, some of them aren't working out, or you just keep trying to find ones that are better, and I think it's finally starting to pay off because Antoine Winfield has been the playmaker, the ball hawk that they expected him to be at his first sack in this game, a strip sack, in fact, of Teddy Bridgewater. Sean Murphy Bunting is playing really well in the slot. Uh, You know, Carlton Davis, uh, Jamel Dean, Jordan Whitehead. They're getting contributions all over the place from those young defensive backs, and it's finally starting to all come together. By the way, Justin Evans hasn't even really played yet, so... I think this is a talented group that they're finally starting to see the fruits of their labor uh, on the scouting side of things going out there and spending all that draft capital on those DBs. 
Yeah, I think it also showed that that Saints defense they played against was on another level than what they saw yeah. with the Carolina Panthers. So uh, everybody freaked out after week one, but everybody just calm down. Tampa Bay is going to be okay. <laughs> All right, get right back here to the takeaways. Takeaway number eight, the Steelers are the best at drafting wideouts. Looks out to his left, lost one along the sideline, going for Chase Claypool, who catches it in stride. Claypool stays in bounds, crosses the 20, the 15, the 10. The rookie Chase Claypool in for his first NFL touchdown, 84 yards, Roethlisberger to Claypool. So look, I think I, I really wanted to take out the takeaway to be like, I want to be as good at something in life as the Steelers are at drafting wide receivers. I mean, you go all the way back. I mean, Plexico Burris in the first round, Santonio Holmes in the first round, but really as of late in the later round, second and on these last four years, Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington has had his moments. And then now recently, Deontay Johnson last year in the third round and Chase Claypool. And while I'm not ready to anoint Chase Claypool here, but that 84-yard touchdown was a thing of beauty. I think we saw in week one, he's really added another dimension uh, to this offense. So the way the Steelers draft wide receivers, man, they just they kind of keep that stockpile going. We saw it back in the early part of the decade with Emmanuel Sanders and Antonio Brown and Mike Wallace. Now we have Juju and Deontay Johnson, Claypool, and James Washington. And that's a nice crew there, Bucky, for Ben Roethlisberger to work with. It is a nice crew for Ben Roethlisberger to work with, and everyone has been trying to figure out what's the secret sauce to drafting wide receivers based on the Pittsburgh Steelers' success. And one of the things that I believe they go after, they want tough guys, they go after guys that are willing to mix it up, guys that have traits that are very easy to develop, and then they put them in a situation where they're really asked to play a specific role, and those guys have thrived. So you talked about Claypool and Deontay Johnson, those guys making plays, how we saw Juju Smith emerge right away as a number number two receiver opposite Antonio Brown. The Pittsburgh Steelers have a clear vision for what they want playing outside. And oh, by the way, it also helps to develop receivers when you have a really, really good quarterback. Right. Amen. I'll tell you what, that's going to lead me beautifully to the next takeaway because another organization does a good job of identifying receivers in the draft and free agency. It's the Los Angeles Rams. Goff fakes the handoff, rolls out to his right, sets his feet, throws back left, over the top, to the end zone, caught by Tyler Higby. It's a three-touchdown day for Higgs. Yeah, this is a Rams offense. You talk about the receivers they've been able to go out and get. You you get Robert Woods, who came over from the Buffalo Bills. Uh, You draft Cooper Cup. Look at what they did drafting Van Jefferson, what he brings to the table. I mean, this this is a receiving core. That, that's that's outstanding, and they have a, a very interesting skill set because they're great route runners. They catch everything, and I think that's one of the things that helps this offense get into a rhythm. And that was my big takeaway watching this team, Buck. Uh, changing the long launch point with Jared Goff, you saw him under center, you saw him in the gun, you saw him half rolling, booting. He just he he was in a flow early in this game, and you saw it with the completions just racking up one after another. Yeah, I think Sean McVay has really dusted off the old playbook. They've gone back to 2017. They found a way to get Jerry Goff very comfortable. You talk about the development of their skill players, particularly the wide receivers. Eric Yarber does a great job of taking guys who already have great tools in terms of being craftsmen, route runners, and he just continues to add stuff to their toolbox. These guys do a great job of creating separation in space. And DJ, when we talk about this NFC West The NFC West is absolutely loaded because we're not even going to talk about the team that we're pinky swearing on going, but Kyler Murray and the Cardinals (laughs) joining the Rams, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Seattle Seahawks. 
Man, you better grab the popcorn because it's going to be an exciting division to watch, especially with the Rams reemerging. Yeah, you know, the only thing I'll say about this Rams team, um, and you mentioned the variety of wide receiver. Well, uh, Sean McVay and, and, you know, Wes Snead's ability to identify running back talent is also making a conundrum for fantasy football players out there who went and drafted Cam Akers really early and then watched Malcolm Brown go off in week one against the Cowboys, go pick him up on the waiver wire, only to see Daryl Henderson go off. This week. So I think uh, basically what we're saying is stay away from all Rams, Rams running backs, even though they're providing, in reality, a pretty good punch for that Rams attack. Yeah, I'll wrap this takeaway up with this. You're talking about fantasy football. If anybody feels bad about their fantasy football lineup, I don't want to hear it. You haven't seen mine. I think my whole team has a torn ACL at this point in time. So it is God bless, cra- crazy man. year. All right, Bucky, let's keep things moving here with uh, the final takeaway here, number 10 on the list, and you're going to go to Buffalo for this one. Josh Allen is clutch. Josh Allen sets up deep, takes a long look downfield, going deep again. He's got a man wide open. John Brown, he makes the catch. Touchdown! Touchdown, Buffalo! What a play! Josh Allen, he waited for that to develop and laid that out there perfectly. You know, DJ, when you look at Josh Allen, he, he, man, he is a spectacular athlete. We know about the arm talent. We've seen him become one of the more dominant running quarterbacks in the league. But this year, it's really clicked for him. 400 yards against the Miami Dolphins, four touchdowns. And what I really like about the Buffalo Bills and the offense, they've surrounded him with playmakers that really play to his strengths. Stephon Diggs being the number one receiver, making plays, was targeted 13 times, had 153 yards, but John Brown averaging 20 yards a catch. So they got the vertical stretch guys, but then Cole Beasley doing in the slot. Josh Allen is as comfortable as I've seen him. And Look, if he continues to play this way, we've talked about the Buffalo Bills overtaking the Patriots in the AFC East. It's going to come down to quarterback play. Right now, Bills Mafia has to feel great about their QB1. Yeah, I'll just kind of wrap that takeaway up with this, Buck. We talk about, we've used that MMA analogy, right? Being able to win a fight when it goes in a different direction. And I think Josh Allen is showing as a quarterback, it's not only just him running around, kind of playing reckless and running over defenders. He's showing you he can win from inside the pocket as well, winning on time with accurate throws down the field. And that's scary because we know what he can do when things break down. When he can be as good on schedule as he is off schedule, that is a major problem for the National Football League. Inspired by ongoing conversations with players, NFL launched NFL Votes to empower and improve our communities by exercising the right to vote. Uh, join the NFL family by registering to vote today and make your voice heard this November. Visit NFL.com votes to learn more. Well, this is, uh, it's been a fun episode today. We always uh, great to have our buddy Rhett joining us on the Takeaway Podcast. I want to remind everybody, you can find the Move the Sticks audio podcast, nfl.com slash podcast. Find on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us. We're out there. You can find the videos, uh, NFL, or sorry, youtube.com. Uh, slash NFL podcast. You can check that out there, nfl.com slash MTS video. I mean, I can give you a million of these websites. We're we're everywhere. If you want Move the Sticks content, Bucky, the people can find it. Uh, But I do want to uh, thank everybody for staying with us today. This has been a fun show uh, as we look back at week two, a wild week two, and look forward to a week three. Uh, But that's going to do it for us. This has been Move the Sticks, presented by Zaxby's.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.